Amen. It's so good to see each and every one of you this morning. I can see you a little better today, in case you're wondering what's going on up here. Um, and I'm trying to get used to these glasses, so if you'll bear with me. Um, I almost fell down the steps earlier this week, so make sure that you're praying with me and for me as well. And uh, if you see me getting close to the edge here, because I'm constantly doing this right now to adjust, um, some of our prayer partners, prayer team could come and catch me, right? We used to have those in the church, something like that. They're our designated catcher. But no, it is good to see each and every one of you here this morning. We praise God for you. Um, Wonderful, wonderful week. Started last week with our children and our students. They did an awesome job, and we praise God for them. <clears throat> and then this past Friday, our outreach team was able to minister through your generosity to five families that were in need. It was just an awesome evening of uh, just being able to see God's love expressed through your generosity. So thank you, thank you very much. But today, um, I wanna share with you the thought of this whole thing of white Christmas. And um, it's gonna be maybe a little bit of a different twist, far be it from me, to just um, not be traditional in a sense when it comes to this. Um, I'll be more of that on Christmas Eve. But I wanna talk to you about a white Christmas. You know, the song, White Christmas, is the number one selling song in the history of the world. Bing Crosby made it famous, but many of you know that Irving Berlin is the one who wrote the song, White Christmas. And uh, he wanted to create a musical imagery, imagery image, image, I should say, of an old-fashioned Christmas. That, that's what his thought was behind the song. Uh, he wrote it from sunny Laquita, California, as the sun was bearing down on him. Here's the thing about um, Irving himself, he didn't celebrate Christmas. And the reason, at least not like you and I celebrate Christmas, and the reason was because he's Jewish or was Jewish. His actual name is Israel. And so in the traditional sense, the way that you and I celebrate Christmas, that wasn't on his radar. Also, another twist to this white Christmas story is in 1928, his three-week-old son died on Christmas Day. And so every year when people would gather all over the world and celebrate the birth of Christ, him and his wife would visit the grave of their child. And so this dream of a white Christmas became a reminder of a tragedy in his life. And I think one of the characters in the Christmas story could relate to the sentiment of this song. He was a dreamer. But the dream that he had was not turning out the way that he thought it would. He's named after another dreamer in the Bible. His name, Joseph. And Joseph was dreaming of a white Christmas in a sense that he had found his dream girl. She was angelic to him. She was 
special, she was beautiful, and he was engaged, and him and Mary were to be married. But his dream of a white Christmas changed when the news of her pregnancy came to him. I want you to just go with me in your mind, if you would, for a moment, as Mary comes to talk with Joseph. And it's um, maybe something like this, so let me just kind of do the narrative here. It's like, um, Joe, we need to talk. Okay, Mary, why don't you just sit down in this new chair that I just made? He's a carpenter, right? And so what is it? What is it, Mary? Well, really, there's no other way to say this. I'm pregnant. But, it, but it's not what you think. Come on, guys, you understand, right? And so Joseph is like, you're my dream girl. We have this dream life planned. We've talked about this. We've planned this. And now you're telling me you're pregnant? What am I supposed to think? How am I supposed to process this? You expect me to believe that this is somehow some divine act of God? I mean, this has never happened in the history of the world. Mary, who would ever believe this story? Who would ever buy into this, Mary? So this dreamer's dream of marrying his dream girl and living a dream life is now crushed. And with this dream seemingly gone forever, he makes plans to divorce Mary. Now legally, legally, legally they were married at this time. They were engaged, the Bible said, but they were engaged this, at this time. And in order for Joseph to get out of this engagement, he had to file for divorce. And so he makes plans to divorce Mary and try to make this nightmare go away quietly. But before he is able to divorce Mary and divorce the dream that God has for this couple, God comes to him and God speaks to him. Aren't you thankful that before we begin to mess something up, God intervenes? Before we get ready to divorce the dream and the plan and the purpose that God has for our life, God somehow intervenes on our behalf. I want you to look at what happened in Matthew 1 verse 20 says this, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. He said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So in this dream now, God reveals to Joseph everything that Mary told him. And God reveals to him by the angel that it's true, Joseph. What's happening to Mary is divine. I'm in the midst of this, Joseph. It is miraculous. And the Holy Spirit is at work in her. And she is going to bring forth the Savior 
of the world. Here's the first point that I want to get to today, and that is this. God dreams require God's involvement. God's dreams require God's involvement. When God begins to fulfill his dream or reveal his dream to each and every one of us, many times it doesn't make sense to us. And the reason it doesn't make sense to us is because we don't understand. And the reason that we don't understand is we are limited in our understanding when it comes to the dream that God has for our lives. Isaiah says that his ways and his thoughts are far above our ways and our thoughts. So Joseph is trying to work all of this out in his mind. And he, he's trying to figure this thing out. And he thinks now that he's going to end this dream with Mary by divorcing her. But God shows up in a dream and reveals his dream for his life. Now, the question is this, why did God choose a dream to reveal his dream for Joseph? God was bypassing Joseph's reasoning because when we sleep, our bodies are at rest and our soul is at rest. You know, sometimes you can't sleep because your mind won't rest, it won't turn off. But when you enter into, that, enter into a sleep, your mind and your soul is at rest. But, but your spirit is not at rest. Your spirit never sleeps. So when God speaks to you on any level, God speaks to your spirit. Here's why. Because the natural man doesn't understand nor can he comprehend the things of God. So when God speaks to you, God speaks to your spirit. Why? Because God is a spirit. Job 33 and 15 says that God speaks to us at times in a dream or in the night vision. So God's dream for your life is deposited in your spirit. Why? Because if God did not speak to your spirit man, and the only way that you received God's dreams, dreams for your life was within your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotion, you would eventually talk yourself out of God's dream for your life. How do I know that? Because you don't understand and you can't comprehend how all of this is going to work out. So every dream that God gives you, I'm talking about God's dream, God's purpose, God's plan for your life, is deposited into your spirit because your spirit is not limited. Amen. It is not limited. Your soul is limited. It is limited to the realm of reasoning and understanding, but not your spirit. It is limitless. So how then did Mary receive the dream and Joseph wrestled with the dream and God had to reveal it to him in another way? Well, we know the story, right? The angel comes, visits Mary, tells Mary what's happening to her. Mary said, how can this be? And the, the angel says, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. There's God's involvement. The Holy Spirit is going to be involved in this, and what happened? After that, Mary said what? Be it unto me according to your word. 
That's a key, key phrase there because the word according is a word of agreement. It means that I am entering into agreement with someone. How can two walk together unless they what? Unless they agree. So this whole word when Mary said, be it unto me according to your word, it was a, it was a word of agreement, much like a covenant or a wedding covenant. What does that mean? It means for better or for worse. It means for richer or for poorer. It means um, in sickness or in health. It means forsaking all others, be faithful unto it as long as I shall live. So Mary agreed that no matter what happens, I'm gonna hold on to this word. No matter what comes my way, sickness or in health, rich or poor, no matter what happens in my life, no matter what circumstance takes place in my life, I am settled on the fact that this is your dream and this is your purpose for my life. And the only way that you can settle that in your heart is in your spirit. It's the only way. You have to bypass your mind because if you don't, you will talk yourself out of God's dream for your life. Have you ever tried to explain what God has spoken to you to someone else? And they look at you like Nacho Libre looks. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like that deer in headlights. Hold on, you're blurry right now. <laughs> it's like that deer in headlights. What's happening at that moment is simply this. God spoke to your spirit. When you're sharing that information, they are processing that information in their mind. And they're trying to reason it out. That's why Joseph's brother had, brothers had such a hard time understanding the dream that God had for his life. And so don't expect everyone to, don't expect everyone to get what God has given you. But you need to find someone who will come into agreement with you on what God has deposited in your spirit for your life, amen? That's why God had to get Joseph to come into agreement with Mary because God said, if I can get two or three of you on earth agreeing and touching anything, then nothing will be impossible with you. Amen. So Joseph was moving in the realm of thought, which is reason, reasoning, but God moves in the realm of spirit, which is irrational. It just doesn't make sense, does it? A virgin, pregnant, it doesn't make sense. It's not supposed to make sense. And many times we divorce God's plan for our life, God's dream for our life, because we try to figure it out, we try to reason it out, we try to bring some understanding and God says, you'll never figure this out, you have to trust me and allow me to get involved. See, that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about God coming and making that which was impossible now possible. For with God, all things are possible. Come on, if you believe that, put those hands together and give the Lord praise. 
Now I'm gonna trust you're gonna read this story this week, but I'm just gonna pick up some highlights of it as well as we move. Um, here's what I want you to see. Joseph is now, Joseph says, okay, the Bible said he awoke from his dream and he believed what the Lord had told him. Now Joseph is part of a bigger dream. And later on in the story, the Bible lets us know that wise men from the east came bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold signifying his kingship, frankincense, his deity, and the myrrh is a shadow of his death or foreshadowing his death. I'll talk about that on Christmas Day, so you need to tune in, amen? So God not only gives us a dream, this is how you'll know it's a God dream. This is how you know it's God's plan for your life. Not only does he give you the dream, but then he arranges the circumstances to make it happen. You can't do that on your own. Mary and Joseph had no clue that God was dealing with three men or more who many scholars believe were in India at the time and made that journey from India to Jerusalem to Bethlehem. How many of you know when you're trying to figure it out, God already has it all worked out? I don't know how we're gonna pay these, I don't know how, God's got it covered, amen? When God is in this, then God will make it happen. He will arrange it to take place. People will come into your life that you never would have dreamed would enter your life. And there will be people that will exit your life that you thought would be with you forever. But God gets in the arrangements. Now the gifts, not only were they prophetic in nature, but they were also a means to support the family. Because when God gives you a dream, he also provides the means to support it. Because it wasn't long after this dream that Joseph had another dream. And in this dream, he is warned, God warns him that Herod was seeking to kill his child. And so the Bible said that God told them through the angel that they were to flee to Egypt. So now, just follow this, now the dream goes from a high to a low. Now the dream turns back into a nightmare. Here's what you need to understand, point number two. Every dream from God will come under attack. If you feel under attack right now, don't curse your crisis. It's a good thing. God is in it. God dreams are attacked. The enemy will come after it. Usually in its infancy. How many of you know that it's easier to stop a train before it ever gets going? It's hard to stop a locomotive once it gets moving. Yeah? And so the enemy tries to destroy the dream before it ever begins to get moving, before it ever picks up momentum. And so he also attacks everything that is a threat to him. Anytime the enemy discerns a threat, he will attack it because he's trying to stop the process or the dream or the purpose that God has for your life. Now, just as God has a plan for your life, so does the devil. All right, I know it's Christmas, getting a little heavy here, but let's just breathe. Make sure your neighbor's breathing. 
Come on, check on them, make sure they're okay. Tell them it's a white Christmas, it's coming. Watch this, John 10 and 10. The thief comes, or the thief's purpose is what? To steal, to kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Here and now. Okay? Here and now. Now, at first glance, when you read this scripture, you think that it's talking about taking someone's life. It comes to kill. But the Greek word here actually means to sacrifice, and it's originally given when they would bring animals to sacrifice. And it means to sacrifice, or it means to surrender, or it means to give something up that is precious and dear to you. Now follow with me. To sacrifice, or to surrender, or to give something up that is precious and dear to you. So if the thief cannot steal your dream, He will try to kill your dream. He will try to convince you to give up on your dream. This is why you have to have your spirit settled that this is from God. That what's happening in my life, God is permitting it and God is allowing it. This is where you have to settle in your spirit because you're under attack and you have to understand that the enemy is trying to get you to quit and to give up on the God dream that God has deposited in your spirit. So if he is unsuccessful at stealing God's dream from your life, he will try to cunningly convince you to give up on the dream that God has for your life, to surrender the dream that God has for your life because he does not want to see you fulfill God's purpose for your life. So what does he do? He creates stressful situations. Some of you know what I'm talking about right now. He creates stressful situations in your life to cause you to conclude that the only solution is for you to give up on your dream. Just to quit, just to give in, just to give up. Don't quit now. Just touch your neighbor and tell them, don't you quit now. Don't you quit. Come on, online church, type that in for me right now. Don't you quit. Here's why. Here's why. God's dream will always outlast the enemy's threat. God's dream will outlast the enemy's threat. The Bible said that they remained in Egypt until when? Herod died. The dream is eternal, the attack is temporal. It's not going to last forever. God told Joseph, he said, I want you to wait here until I bring another word to you. Don't overlook that. Before God can bring a next word to your life, you have to be willing to wait and obey the now word that he's given you. Some of us are always looking for the next thing when God says, you haven't fulfilled the last thing that I said. So before you can go to the next in God, you have to fulfill the now in God. And God is saying, if you'll wait here, I'll give you the next, but you have to obey what I'm telling you to do right here. So the key then is to wait knowing that something else is coming. Meaning this, that this situation that I'm waiting in right now is not going to last forever. 
I don't know who I'm talking to, but I feel it in my spirit right now. So I'm going to say it again. What you are in right now is not going to last forever. It's temporal. God's word, God's promise is eternal. He said, wait until you receive word from me. See, your life is like a movie. And the devil wants you to freeze frame it. He wants you to think that life is a snapshot. Okay? He, he wants you to just take that Polaroid bad moment in your life and frame it and think that's all there is. He wants to lock you into disappointment, discouragement, despair. He wants to keep you there. Now, your life is not a snapshot. Your life is like a movie, right? It's going to continue to play out. There are more scenes to come in your life. Don't get stuck in time when God operates in the fullness of time. Just look at somebody and tell them it's only time. That's all it is. It's just time. It's just time. In a matter of time, in the fullness of time, God is coming. Your life is a movie. Don't get stuck in the snapshot of it. See, because Joseph could have fallen into this. He could have taken this snapshot mentality. Because some scholars believe that Joseph and Mary were here for six to seven years. See, we read the Bible and we think that when we go from one verse to the next, it's like 20 minutes later in their life. So from the time God says, go to Egypt, wait until I send word, there are those who believe it was six to seven years. How many of you know that's a long time to wait? That's a long time to be in that situation. But remember, God had made a means of provision for them, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God was in the arrangements, and they had to trust God. You have to trust God when you can't track God. Just trust him, amen? And so we read in the story that what happened was God comes to them again, and he speaks to them. And I'm, I'm closing right now, I promise. In verse 20, the angel visits Joseph again in a dream. Now, this is the fourth time that God has come to Joseph in a dream. Listen to what he says. Get up. Listen, that's the only words that some of you need to hear this whole day. Get up. I'm not talking to the people that stayed home this morning. <laughs> I'm speaking to your spirit right now. Get up. Because when you get stuck in a snapshot of your life, you have a tendency to give up. But I'm talking to somebody this morning, don't you give up, get up. I'm gonna say it again. Don't give up, get up. God is saying, get up. It's not over. I'm not through. My dream, my purpose will be fulfilled in your life. Let's read it together. The angel said, take the child 
and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up, returned to the land of Israel with, his, with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned, here's a dream, he left the region, uh, not the region of Galilee, so the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled the prophets had said, or what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. Here's the last point. Debbie, if you'll come, I'll land this Christmas plane. Here's the last point. God's dreams have an ebb and flow to them. God's dreams have an ebb and flow to it. I mentioned it a second ago, four different times, God sends an angel and speaks to Joseph in a dream. Throughout their journey, there's ups and there's downs. There's high points, there's low points. There's mountains, there's valleys. I'm getting married to my dream girl, she's pregnant. Wise men show up. They bring gifts. Hallelujah. Now, come on. How many of you would be happy if a bar of gold showed up under your tree this week? Or this, yeah. I'm happy. You can't go home. Go to Egypt. I'm down. Herod has threatened to kill the baby. Herod dies. We finally get to go home. Hallelujah. Herod's son takes over. Now we end up in Nazareth. And if you know anything about Nazareth, nobody wanted to live in Nazareth. Remember what Philip said, can any good thing come out of this town? Scholars believe there were about 20, 30 people who lived in this little town. The closest road was six miles away. Security. Nothing's happening. You've sent me here in this podunk town. <laughs> There's nothing here. Nothing's going to happen. And this dream that you've given me is going to dry or die here. But there's one thing I noticed in reading this story. This phrase, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled. You see, the ups, God's fulfilling his dream, the downs, God is fulfilling his dream in your life. The mountaintops, God is fulfilling his dream, the valleys, God is fulfilling his dream. And let me tell you something, dreamer, the dream that God has for your life is going to work out and it's going to be different than you thought and it's going to be better than you imagine. How many of you believe that this morning? Would you stand with me?
Can I tell you something, church? God is fulfilling the script for your life. He's fulfilling his scriptures concerning your life. There is a bigger story to be told. And in the fullness of time, the script will be revealed and God's purpose and plan for your life will be fulfilled. I believe that with all of my heart. You have to believe that. You have to hold on to that. Some of you, you're in a down season of the dream right now. You're in a discouraging moment in your dream right now. Don't sacrifice it. Don't surrender it. You hold on to it. You trust God through it. And he will fulfill his promise to you. Do you believe that this morning? We got a white Christmas. God delivered a white Christmas that first Christmas. Isaiah 1 and 18 says, Come now, let us reason together. Though your sins be scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they will be as wool. In the end, you win because of him. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Let me pray for you. Father, let this word be a word of encouragement. As we enter into this Christmas week, let us just remember that all things are possible to them that believe. Let us remember that you are moving even when we can't see you moving, that you're working even when we don't see you working, that you are in the arrangements of this dream, that you're working on someone else's heart and someone else's life. And in due time and in due season, our paths will cross and your purpose will come to be. Lord, I pray in this moment right now, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know you, that's away from you, I pray in this moment, in this time right now, Lord, that they would recognize once again your gift to them, your son Jesus, and that they would receive him as your gift in this season. It's in Christ's holy name that I pray. Amen.